say welcome. Uh, we're so glad you joined us. And if you're checking us out for the first time online, um, we want to say a special welcome to you. We're so glad you're with us. And uh, my name's Justin. I'm the student pastor and worship pastor here. And um, I'm really excited and honored to be able to bring you uh, what I believe is a really critical, a crucial foundational principle for our lives this morning as taught through uh, the medium of, of, of a movie, of something as simple as a movie, a, a modern-day parable. And I also want to say a special Happy Father's Day, uh, fathers. Man, this is our first Father's Day here on this campus, and I'm honored to, to be able to, uh, to, to preach this morning. And uh, so, fathers, um, we want to say to you, we honor you. You've been chosen um, to, to, to lead and shepherd uh, your families and the people around you. And we want you to know that we honor you today and the role you play in not only your family, but the church. Um, dads, you're our heroes, your protectors, you're our leaders and mentors, and we love you. Uh, the role in, in the lives of your children and the people around you, um, it, 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 can't, uh, it cannot be understated uh, how much uh, we love you. And, and it's a reflection, it's intertwined with the gospel. And how, uh, how God loves us, God the Father loves us. Uh, so whether you're a biological or adopted father or a father figure to someone, we love you. We love you. We honor you today. All right, so we're in this Streaming at the Movies series. And um, look, I, I love this series. Um, look, and it's less about, you know, we want to make it about kind of the movie and going to watch the movie. Which, these are great movies, and, and I, we always recommend go watch them because it, it'll bring some context to what we're saying. But ultimately, the gospel is what matters, and we want to take a, a simple, even if it's one scene of these, of, of these movies that we're, we're picking, because we believe uh, the gospel can be communicated and preached through any, any medium. Uh, any, truth can be found anywhere, as C.S. Lewis would say. Truth can be found all over the place, whether it's music or, or movies or just things that you see in everyday life as your, as your people watching, as you go about your life and you see something God... As believers, God will do that, right? God will do these little things where he just talks to you and says that I'm present there. I'm, 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 I'm available and present there in, th in commonplace things. So uh, I love this series. So the, the movie today is Onward, right? Um, show of hands online, and, you, know, uh, you know, I can't see them, but, you know, raise your hand if you've seen it, <laughs> right? Okay, well, if you haven't, um, I, I advise you to go and stream it, Disney Plus, right? It's on there. Uh, you should go and watch it. Um, there's your Disney Plus plug again for the day. I'm still waiting on that check from Disney Plus. Still waiting on that. And it's twice now, Disney, that I've plugged you, okay? Onward is kind of set in this kind of magical world full of wizards and weird creatures and mythical creatures, unicorns, and so on and so forth. And the story goes that magic used to be kind of commonplace in this world. And, uh, and, and as the modern age came along, as, as technological advances came along, then uh, they kind of did away with, with the need for magic. Right. So the main characters are these two elf brothers named Ian and Barley Lightfoot. Barley, I love that name. Played by, Ian is played by Tom Holland, Spider-Man, right? And Barley is voiced by Chris Pratt, one of my favorite actors. Um, and so Ian is this awkward high schooler. He's kind of a loner, sort of. He's self-conscious, and he's, he's kind of awkward. 
and his older brother Barley is kind of this history buff, and he's real goofy, like he's just kind of out there. Like, you ever said that about somebody, by the way? Like, and they're out there. They're just, I love them. They're just out there. <laughs> Man, he's out there. <laughs> you ever said that about somebody? Maybe you're sitting next to somebody like that. Just tell them, hey, love you, but you're out there. Love you. Love you mean it, right? You ever had somebody in your life like that? You just, they're just out there. <laughs> love them. Love you mean it. But they're out. Here's Bar- This is Barley. Like, he's just a little out there. You know, uh, and, and they live in this, this town. I love this. New Mushroomton is the name of the town. New Mushroomton is the town. And their father, Wilden, died shortly before Ian was born. And on Ian's 16th birthday, his mother, Laurel, gives the brothers a gift left to them by their father. At the right moment, the right time, you can give it to the boys. It's a magical staff and this mysterious gem called the Phoenix Gem, okay? We're getting into some technical things, but hang with me. Um, And a letter describing this visitation spell that if they do things just right, they'll get to spend one day with their dad, who's no longer there. One day. And Ian accidentally succeeds in casting a spell, but only the lower half of their dad's body forms. Weird, right? I mean, this is weird, man. It's like Weekend and Bernie's for kids. And Shannon, I'll, I won't take credit for that. That's Shannon. Shannon, Shannon says it's like Weekend and Bernie's for kids. It's really true. And so they're, it's, they're, it's funny. It's kind of funny. It's humorous. You look at it, and they're, they're kind of dragging their dad's, you know, from the waist down, all everywhere on a leash. It's like on one of those kid leashes that, that you know, extends. <laughs> and it's, it's actually kind of funny. Like, I know it's weird. It's so weird. If you haven't seen it, you're like, what is going on? This is a little bit trippy for me. So the brothers go on this quest to find another gem so that they can complete the spell and spend the day, the rest of the day, with their dad. Now, I want to focus on one particular scene, or the last couple of scenes of this movie in particular. And when it looks like that they're not going to be able to kind of bring their dad back for for one day to, to talk to him and spend time with him. Um, Ian has this list that he's made of all of these things that he missed out on with his dad. It's pretty, actually, really emotional uh, scene. He looks over this checklist and he's sitting down with his dad from the waist down. <laughs> I know, and you can't help but laugh. It's like I just need to say his dad or what's left of him. Like I, I don't know. I don't even know how to say it. But he's looking the lit, looking over the list, and, and the things like uh, play catch, take a walk, have a heart to heart, laugh together, a driving lesson, and the last one says, share my life with. Now hold that thought for just a moment, the list, and all the things. And I want to switch gears for a second. The church, our church has a mission statement. Did you know this? You've heard us say it a lot. What is it? Following Jesus for our community. Seems pretty simple, but I think the idea of following Jesus is a really vague one for most Christians, for most people. Would you agree? I think the idea when someone says, follow Jesus, that's a pretty broad spectrum thing. We need to get down to some specifics, actually, 
we sort of had this idea that following Jesus means just kind of going to church once a week, praying every now and again, reading our Bibles, doing all the stuff, doing some good stuff for people, and really not much more than that. That's kind of what we relegate following Jesus to. All are good and necessary things, by the way. All. But I believe it's more than that. So what does following Jesus really mean? How do we do that? Well, the answer is discipleship. Discipleship. Fun fact, the word, actual word discipleship is not found anywhere in Scripture. It's not said once. But making disciples is said. In fact, in fact, the ultimate purpose, our purpose, our whole purpose as Christians is, as Christ followers, is to follow Jesus, right? That's what it's, that's what it's about. It's to bring glory to the person of Jesus Christ by following after him. The thing Jesus said to all his disciples when he chose them was what? Follow me. Follow me. It's the first thing he said when he tapped him on the shoulder. So how do we do that? Well, we find the answer in Matthew 28, all right? I want you to turn there with me as you're turning. This is where Jesus is, is about to leave earth. So whatever he says to his followers is pretty doggone important, right? Wouldn't you say? Like, if, if, if this is the last time he's going to see them, wouldn't you think he was, he's going to wrap this thing up real well and he's going to bring it down to a, a, a single point? He's going to bring it down to us. And, and, and in fact, it may be the most important thing Jesus said here on earth. I, I tend to think it would have been since he's like, okay, I'm about to go. Here is what's important. Here's what matters most, right? So it's really critical for us as well. So we read it together in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18 and going through verse 20. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So, therefore, he's saying, listen to this. Because I have been given authority, these words are important to you. They are life. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of of the age. Making disciples is the goal. It is why the church exists. It is why God called us out here to this property, not to sit on the property and say, look what we have done or look what God has done and thank God for that. It is to make disciples. This church exists for the people who are not here yet. Now, that's not sliding any, all of our charter people in here. Because God, you, you are visionaries. If you're watching home and you're, 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 you were here from the start, you are a visionary. And you, you, God used you to help make this happen. But, the, but we don't rest on this and go, we've done it. We've done it. We are busy about the work. And we should be of making disciples. Making disciples is the goal. Is the goal of every believer. Not just the church. Not just the church as a whole. All, every single one of us are called to make disciples. This happens primarily through relationships, I believe. The most effective way the gospel is preached is through relationships. Relationships, not preaching. Hey, I'm a preacher, but 
I got to tell you, my job is to proclaim the gospel and to help equip you and Shannon and all of us as pastors. Our job is to proclaim the gospel in, in almost in an evangelistic uh, manner, primarily, and to equip you to do the work of the church. Gone are the days where, uh, you know, Shannon and I talk about this often. We talk about this often how, you know, the preachers were just supposed to do everything. You know, we just, the, the preachers are the gatekeepers of our spiritual health. It's really not true. It's not true. God has called us to preach, the, to proclaim the gospel to a lost world and to help and to equip myself, us and you to do the work that God's called us to do, which is to make disciples. Preaching is for articulating the good news of Jesus to a lost world and equipping believers to do the same. I, 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 tr- I firmly believe that. The gospel is most effectively spread through relationships, relationship building. And this happens mostly outside of the walls of what happens on a Sunday morning inside the church. Would you agree with that? Making disciples happens outside these walls primarily. Let it, let it always be so for us. So the word discipleship is not used in Scripture, but the phrase making disciples is, and that's, this is where we want to we focus in on that. Discipleship is defined in different ways by different people. Like, you, you may have a different definition than me, and you may have a different methodology in your mind of how disciples are made, okay? Every, people have different... There's been so many great models of how discipleship should be done through relationships. Uh, you know, uh, even down to what books to start in first as you read through together. And we have, there's, there are some great models that, that we've, we've adopted here as a church and, and as a community um, that, are, that are fantastic. But we want to break it down to the base level of what discipleship is, and we want to define it this morning. We want to define what discipleship is and should be. And we see the definition right here in Matthew 28. It's, it, and it's pretty clear to me. Discipleship is really, here's what I, as I read Matthew 28, it really is about following Jesus and living out the gospel, which is the good news of Christ, and for the redemption of, of, of our daily lives and, and, and the people around us. But the second part of the definition is this. According to Matthew 28, especially verse 19, or as the Great Commission as it's known, is that disciples are made. It is an intentionality on our part. You know, it's great that, that, um, that we have community and we gravitate towards Christ-centered community in our groups, if we call them our tribe or whatever you want to call them. Like, it's great. Those are great. But making disciples is a, is, is a going out process, even from our, our smaller groups that we gravitate towards, which is sort of uncomfortable. But it's what I believe this morning, what God calls us to. See, we're in, it's sort of implying that someone doesn't merely follow Jesus without first, obviously, the Holy Spirit drawing their hearts into him. And then being encouraged, taught, and mentored to do so by others. Discipleship requires a mentor and a mentee. Over and over. It's, you know, it's the equivalent of a child trying to learn how to do things like ride a bike or love others unselfishly and treat others with genuine love and affection and do all the things that, that a child needs to learn how to do without a parent or a guardian present. It really is. 
a, a Christ follower without a, without a mentor or several, several of them is like trying to, a, a kid trying to learn how to ride a bike and do the very basic developmental things that he, he or she needs to learn how to do without someone there guiding them. It's really, really critical. This, I believe, is a good, solid definition of discipleship. Or can, can we establish that this morning? Following Jesus and, 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 and having people guide you along to do the same and you guiding others along to do the same. It says, Jesus told him, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples as people are, be, are becoming Christ followers, not just converts, but teaching them to obey all the commands I've given you. That's going to take a while, folks. You ever notice that? Like, teach them to obey all the commands? That's more than a week-long mission trip to Boston. Nothing wrong with missions. But man, like, that's more than going to a South American country and spending a few days down there and, and, and seeing people. That's great. That, that's great. We want, we want to... To share the gospel with all nations. But discipleship is a lifelong process. It's the hard work. It's the get down and dirty of life. Relationships. That those are what matters the most. So for the sake of today, when I say discipleship or maybe biblical mentoring, um, they're interconnected. They're, um, for, this, for our purposes, they're closely connected. Now, there are two facets to the Great Commission as we read this, all right? Matthew 28, okay? Missions, he says, go to all the nations, spread the gospel. Missions, which is short-term. Mentoring, which is long-term. Mentoring, which is long-term. Now, you're not going to have long-term mentoring relationships with someone in another country. But the people of Valdosta... I believe that God has chosen people for you, you individually to mentor. Even the smallest children in here, one day God will bring someone or many someones into their lives that God will call to mentor them and show the love of Jesus to and to God and, to, and just to do life with right not that it's the mentors way up here but man like what God has shown them they can they you can share with anybody what God has shown you you are equipped and capable of mentoring someone right without ego without pride to say I want to help you and especially fathers and mothers if anything if nothing else you are called to mentor your own children your own children, right? And then after that, beyond that, there may be more, okay? So missions and mentoring, right? Um, you know, missions might create some converts, <laughs> but mentoring is going to create apprentices, people that watch your life. That's a scary thought. <laughs> scary for me. I, I, I kind of just, like, I swallow hard when I even say that. Don't, you know... And we say, don't watch my life. I'm not going to be perfect. No, you're not. But God is going to use you in the lives of others. Imperfections and all, because grace covers all of that. Grace fills in all the gaps. So don't worry about your, your ability to do what God's called you to do. Don't worry that you're not sufficient to do that. But you are. You are. And God will use you to radically change the 
trajectory of someone's life and the generations to come. I, I think about it like this. Um, student ministry. Student ministry. Uh, as a, the older I get, as an older, old student pastor, because technically my, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an old student pastor. Most retire in their late 20s. And they're like, I can't handle it anymore. But here's the way I, I've learned, and God has taught me to look at, view student ministry. If we are faithful to the gospel in the life of one student, then it could change generations of their family. A heritage could start right with that 15, 16-year-old. And last generations. You know, I wonder, my, my grandmother, my, my dad's mother, who's no longer here with us, she was sort of the, the spiritual matriarch of, of my family. And I wonder what who poured into her. I wonder who took the time to love her into the kingdom of God. And it changed everything for my family. Everything. Everything. I promise you I wouldn't be standing on this stage doing this at all. No, no, not even a, a not even if. It's not if. It's, it's, I promise you, without her, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here without her. So generations are at stake when it comes to relationships and mentoring and biblical discipleship. You know, missions are great. I don't want to take any away from missions. I love, I love mission work. And the heart of evangelism and the gospel and, and, and drawing all people to, to himself. But not everyone has a chance to go on a mission trip. But you have a chance to, to pour into someone in your life. Start with your children, parents, and then work your way out. And I hope God is starting to stir in your heart. Maybe that I, maybe I, I've looked at this following Jesus thing a little too narrowly. Maybe I've just kind of checked the boxes of a few things. Maybe God is stirring in your heart that way. The most effective way the gospel is preached, I believe, is through relationship building. A great example of this in Scripture is um, the Apostle Paul and uh, a young man named Timothy. And this is Scripture uh, where, you know, Paul was Timothy's mentor, of course, and Paul's great, uh, incredible preacher and apostle. And, and uh, is responsible for the gospel being spread to many, many places that were Asia and places that um, he's, he's, he is um, not solely responsible, but he's partially responsible for the, the spreading of the gospel to the ends of the earth. I mean, he took Jesus' word seriously. And many scholars believe, and I read this this week, I, didn't, I never, never knew this, that um, Timothy's parents were not believers. And so Paul took on that role and stepped in as his spiritual father and mentor. See, Paul loved Timothy fiercely and modeled Christ's likeness for him. And, and Timothy eventually became Paul's partner in ministry. He was really, uh, he, you know, he, he became, he was the mentee and then the student. And then he became the, the peer in, in, in preaching the gospel. Isn't that neat? The, the, the relationship and what it did. And, and we're still feeling the effects of Paul and Timothy's relationship in the modern church here.
And we see this relationship between Ian and his older brother Barley in the movie. We see this. Uh, although Barley's kind of out there, like we said, he's sort of goofy, he's aloof, he's like, he's inattentive at some points. He truly loves his brother, Ian. Barley, Ian's older brother, acts as a surrogate father. He steps in for Wilden, who's no longer there, who died years earlier. First Peter chapter 5 is an appeal uh, to us as believers. I want you to turn there if you have a Bible. First Peter 5, 1 through 3 is an appeal to us uh, to build relationships centered around the gospel and making disciples. Here's what it says. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Parents, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Teachers, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Business owners, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Youth pastors, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Random person sitting and watching, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. You see, they don't have to be little kids to be someone who requires mentoring. They could be coworkers. They could be peers. They could be people that you work out with at the gym. God is calling you to make disciples. And he's called specific people into your life to do so. The reverse side of that is he is calling people to do the same for you. If you aren't invested in a, in a, in a relationship where someone's pouring into you or, or a few someones, do that. You may say, well, I can't find, you know, you know I, I'm, I'm older and so, I, I, you know, I, it's kind of weird being mentored by someone who's younger than me or whatever. Like, it, it, age doesn't matter. Find someone who is wiser than you, who you could benefit from hanging out with them spiritually. And let them, give them license to invest in you. And then go and do that for someone else. It says in verse, uh, in verse 3, in verse 2 in, in 1 Peter 5, it says, Watch over the flock willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. See, in the final scene of this movie, Ian is looking over this list that I told you about. His list of, the list of things that he didn't get to do with his dad. And it's a very touching and emotional scene, but, and, and he begins to realize as, as he's going down the list that even though he lost his dad, he never knew his dad. That all those experiences that he thought he'd never get to have it started to dawn on him that he'd done all these things with his older brother. And he begins to check the boxes, play catch, and he starts having these flashback memories. Driving lesson that you can see Barley push Ian off on a bicycle. <laughs> and then they're on their adventure to find this other Phoenix gym, and he's, he throws Ian behind the wheel of his van. <laughs> Driving lesson. 
play and catch, have a heart to heart, share his life with. He realized that Barley was the weird, goofy surrogate father. And all the things he thought he missed out on, in actuality, he, he, he had had those things through the relationship of the two brothers. Barley was Ian's mentor, his surrogate father, his support system, and it changes everything. It changes everything about Ian and his outlook and, and, and how the story ends. You'll have to just go and watch for yourself to see exactly how it ends. Relationships, godly, Christ-centered relationships is where the good stuff in life is. And you know what? I, I want to challenge you. Don't get too comfortable in the, 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 uh, the, the, the small inner circles of, of the believers that you, you know, it's great that you have them. But what about the making disciples component? What about that for you? For most Christ followers, it is a, it's missing. It's missing. Because we get real comfortable there. You know, even when we find Christ-centered community, we stay there, we plant ourselves there, and you should. But we don't really move from that spot most of the time. And the challenge is this morning is to be a disciple and make disciples. The challenge is, is first to humble yourself and be a disciple. Not just, of course, of Jesus, but allow someone to mentor you. Pray about it. Say, God, I know you've picked someone out to pour into me in this season of my life. I want to know who they are, and I'm going to continue to pray that until you, you show me who they are. Because I know there's someone out there. And then, as I develop and when I'm ready, God, when you're ready for me to be ready, bring those along that need mentoring. Bring those along that I can share a little bit of your grace and your wisdom. Whatever wisdom I have, whatever little I have in my hands, I want to share that. I promise you, disciples will be made. And, and, and one thing will happen is not only the, the walls of this building will not be able to contain the disciples that are being made, but it'll be a community thing. I always look at our, our ministry here and what God's entrusted to us as a community-wide thing. It's not just about us. It's about our community. And God's calling us to those things. Be a disciple. Make a disciple. Be a disciple. Make a disciple. And then make another one. And then another one. And let the kingdom expand and multiply. I'll never forget as we as we're getting ready to close. I'll never forget when um, about five or six years ago, and Casey will remember this. Um, God was just really good to our student ministry, and a whole bunch of kids that I had never seen before show, start showing up. And the kids that had been there the whole time kind of had this little had a little problem, a little grudge. They're like, "No, nah, we this is our group. This is our family." And, and, you know, Alice and I kind of saw it from, from a little bit further back. And, and we had to go around to those leaders and those, those kids who were cornerstone and back backbone kids. And we said, you know what? Isn't the kingdom of God for expanding? Don't we want to expand the family? Don't we want to make disciples? Don't we want to do what, what Jesus called us to do? 
well, yeah. Well, that's going to require some growing pains. Because, but what if one of these kids that start showing up and they're lost? They don't know Jesus. And we, you and I both are going to be able to, to team up together to make a disciple. And then that person is going to make another disciple. That person is going to bring someone else. It's not about bringing people to a, a, a location, but it is about expanding the kingdom. And Jesus says in Matthew 28, he said, the last thing I'm going to tell you is the most important. Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, teaching them all the commands that I've given you. So that's a lifelong, that's like a long-term process right there. To teach all the commands that Jesus commanded us, it's going to require some investment on our parts. So the call today is to be a disciple, be one, Allow God to, to do that in you. Allow someone to, to pour into you. And then you, in turn, pour, some, pour into someone else. See the kingdom expand. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? I want it more than anything. I want it more than anything. I want it in my life. It's not a, I, I, I can look at it in the wide view. I can look at it just within the confines of my heart. And I know that's what God's calling me to. This, this movie, Onward, is, is, is sort of the great example of the, the mentor and the, and the mentee that come, it's come out of nowhere. It's, it kind of hits you that, man, like, it was unexpected, but a really incredible, glorious thing uh, in, in the process, and, and their lives were changed because of it. Um, I, I believe that's what God's calling us to. It, it may be something that's new, a new, new thing for you, and, uh, but I believe... Um, the benefit, you'll see the benefits, and God will continue to grow the kingdom uh, as we do that. Shannon's going to come up and, and pray for us right quick. And um, Shannon.